0: Like thirty bags of compostable material, right? Wow, okay, that was a lot of stuff you guys did. You guys really worked hard. Um, how many of you guys uh, were, were were here and you guys were at the the different stations and you you were you were preparing things for the elderly how many of you guys were actually here with Pastor calvin and and there was all of us that went to the the you know the elderly home and all of it went to go pick up trash. Uh, I went to uh, um, city team sF and uh, and Amy was there, too, and she emailed me this week uh, part of what she saw. She said that she was on the streets, and she met this guy named Justin, and he was preparing a needle, right? And Amy was kind of shocked, like, I, I, I've never seen that before, you know? And so, you know, she, was, she just kind of ran into him, like, oh, uh, how are you doing today, <laughs> you know? And, and you know, it, and the guy was, like, uh, kind, of, kind of embarrassed, Right? and but, but but Amy was emailing me. She said, you know something? God gave me courage. No fear, but just compassion at that moment. You know? I mean, we could have been somewhere else, but we were actually on the streets, standing before life and death, and just watching the gospel kind of break in, you know? I'll actually share a little bit of, of my own story. Um, So I went to City Team, and th- we had a guy, we had a leader by the name of Eric. Now, this is not eric uh, venable okay but this was another eric he was like in his mid-20s and uh and he was like our guy and our leader so he was taking us through the streets and taking us through the hotels right and then on the streets i was just walking with eric and just talked to him about his story and he was telling me that he did uh three tours he was on the marine corps so he did two tours in iraq and one tour in afghanistan and then he got wounded in battle, and so he got sent home. And when he got sent home, he, he married within the first year. He had, he had a child, and then his wife died. And that's when he just lost it. So he said, because um, we just visited the hotels, he said, you, you know, actually, I, I used to be in those hotels and he's telling this as we're walking to just kind of look for homeless people. And he said, I was in the hotels, and I was pretty low. In fact, I actually took a gun, and I stuck it to my mouth. And I pulled the trigger. Uh, I, I was just like, what? And, and I said, well, how long ago was that? Now listen to this. He said, that was six months ago. I'm like, six months ago? That's what I was thinking. Like, Six months ago, you were in the hotel we just visited trying to end your life? You know, I was just blown away. You know, like, what? Six months ago, and now you're here with us serving the homeless? You know, I said, well, I said, what What happened? You took the gun, you, you pulled the trigger. What happened? He said, well, I didn't know, but it was on safety. And he said, at that moment, I realized I need to get help. And so I went to city team, and I gave my life to Christ, and then I got baptized. Now, I was, at that moment, I was just blown away. I'm like... I could be at home, I could be sitting on my couch, but here I am actually standing right in front of a person who is standing on the edge of life and death six months ago, and the gospel broke in and is literally saving his life. And I was just blown away by that, like, that's where I want to be, I want to see that more often, you know? Now, with this message, we wanted to talk a little bit about a problem that we have. And, well, actually, I can just say in the first person it's, it's kind of a problem that I have, okay, which is that i I just feel like I don't get to meet a lot of people who are standing on the edge of life and death, and the gospel has broken in and transformed them you know i, I don't I, I can go through weeks and weeks and not necessarily see that or meet a person like that you know like I, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad but I, I live in I live in the suburbs you know and and I get in my white Prius in the morning, and I drive to work, and I just go to work. I can, I can drive all the way to work and not meet, like, a single homeless person, you know? And so I feel like I've, I'm kind of sheltered. I kind of remove myself from some of the rawness of where the gospel just breaks in and transforms lives. And I feel like that's kind of a problem. Like, a lot of us live lives that are kind of sheltered. We've, we've been one or two steps removed from that. But when I was there in front of Eric, you know, I was just kind of feeling like life, my heart was being stirred, like, wow, the gospel is the most powerful thing in the universe. But we were, a lot of times we're so removed from that reality. And so that poses a little bit of a problem for us. So how do we get there? How do we meet people and go to places that we don't kind of want to go, that we've been removed from, and get our hearts stirred and excited? And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Can you guys turn with me to Luke chapter 4? Luke chapter 4. Turn with me in scriptures to Luke chapter 4. Now, we're going to do a little bit of teaching here. We're going to remain here in Luke chapter 4. But I want to first start off by saying that in this scripture, we are going to read about the first public appearance of Jesus Christ. Now, prior to this, Jesus was uh, baptized. and Then he was tempted in the desert. And now it's like, boom, Jesus is on the scene. And he's, he's, he's out there. And he's doing his first public ministry. Okay, so this is a big deal. This is like setting the tone of his ministry. Here in the scripture, he's explaining the very nature of his ministry and his calling. Okay? Now, here we go. This is, we're going to start in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Can I hear you guys say poor? Let me just do a little quick little teaching on this. Automatically, when we hear the word poor, we're thinking of people with like low cash, Right? That's, we, we read this, but it, we read it through the vision of just uh, you know, financial status. But one thing we should understand is that when, when Jesus was reading these words in the context actually it was probably more of a social thing than it was a financial thing. I don't know if you knew that. But in, back in that day, poor people were not just people low on cash, but they were people who were low in status. So I'll give you an example. Like when you guys were in high school who was a poor person? I'm sorry, art. The nerds. How many here were nerds in high school? Raise your hand. Come on, proud. Right. So it was. It. It wasn't that. It wasn't that we were like uh, low in cash, but we were just low in what, like being cool. Right. So it's a different kind of a poverty. Am I right? So. So basically, there's. There's. It's a social kind of poverty. Now you're looking at it through different factors. Your, your family upbringing, your religious piety, your education, your gender. You know there's different factors in determining where you are and, and definitely when we say poor it also includes spiritual, um, uh, spiritual standing. Now how many of you guys at least in one category fit the description of poor? And maybe I can highlight the spiritual standing, right? All of us do, right? So when it says poor, it's not like, oh, those people. It's Actually, it's all of us. But different people are poor in different ways. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, let me say a little bit about the Lord's favor. Do you know what he's talking about with the year of Lord's favor? It's one word, starts with a J. It's it is what the year of Donald Jubilee. Let me guys hear you go Jubilee. Okay, that was not convincing. But but back then, back then, if you did a Jubilee, you'd be like woohoo Jubilee! You definitely would be very excited about it. Because what was the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee is all debts are canceled. Okay? So every 50 years, they would hit the reset button. And basically, if Mark was an indentured servant, year 50, doesn't matter how big your debt is, Mark goes free, gets to go back to Linda. Right? And if you lost your land because you had a debt to pay, after 50 years, they would hit the reset button, you get your land back. All debts are canceled. Okay? Now, Jesus is coming and saying, I have come to hit the reset button and all the slaves get to go home and all the people who have lost land get their land back again. This is a big deal, okay? Do you guys know where Jesus is quoting right here? He's quoting Isaiah 61. And in Isaiah 61, after this verse, there's another verse. Do you guys know what that verse is? To proclaim the year of Jubilee and what? And the day of God's vengeance, right? That was also part of the, it was part of the set. Jesus left it out. Why did Jesus left it out? He's very clear. I have come to give grace. Now let me ask you something. What do poor people, captives, blind, oppressed, and people who are in debt all have in common? What do they all have in common? They're all people that Jesus is going to. Right? Wow, that was a very obvious Insightful observation. They're all people that Jesus is going to. Now, what are the implications for us? The implications that if you want to see Jesus at work, where do you need to go to? Where they are. This is not rocket science, right? Jesus is moving, he's always moving to the people who are poor and in need. Now, is there anyone in this congregation this morning who's feeling pretty poor and pretty in need? Jesus is moving to you. Whatever room you're in, Jesus is always moving to the person who's in need. You're walking by the street. You pass by a homeless man. Jesus is wanting to move to that person. Jesus goes to the person who is in need and suffering. So if we want to go and see the difference that the gospel makes, where do we need to go? We need to go to the poor and the captives, and the blind, and the oppressed, and the people who are in debt. Now, what I'm saying is that everything in our society is actually wanting to remove us from these people. These people. Right? Right? Where we live, how we get to work, everything. It's just like we're wanting to remove and to be safe and to be, play it safe. And the gospel is moving us out to places we don't want to go. But it's when we go there and we meet Eric and we, we hear about Nicole, that's when we see the gospel moving. So we got to go, right? We got to go because that's where the gospel is going.
1: So, in that, Jesus wants to liberate us from our own worldview that doesn't bring us life so that he can be the giver of life for us who are also the poor so that we can then give life to the poor. When Jesus calls us to life, he is inviting us into his mission, beckoning us to experience him in new ways, and especially in places outside of our own worldview. And I was 21 when I began to learn what this meant through Eunice's story. Eunice is an aspiring counselor in Kenya, and she and I were exactly the same age at the time that we met. We were both 21. At 18, she had dreams of going to college, but being a woman growing up in a rural village, she was expected to sell donuts on the side of the road. And so she pursued this dream of receiving an an education alone. And on her way from the rural village to the bustling city of Nairobi, she was headed on this long eight-hour bus ride, and she was tricked, and she was raped. She became pregnant. She was kicked out of her parents' house, and she was accused of being a promiscuous slut, And she nearly had an abortion when God stopped her and saying, this baby is going to be a blessing to you. She gave birth to a healthy, beautiful baby boy. And she said when she saw her baby for the first time, he replaced all of her brokenness with a sense of hope. She raised her baby in the slums, washed people's laundry, cleaned houses for people, and somehow to this day, I still don't know how she did it, she saved her pennies and enrolled herself at Kenya Polytechnic University where she was studying counseling. She had defied all odds and she only needed $500 to finish out that semester and take her first exams in her first semester of of college at Kenya Polytechnic. And so at the time that I met her, I was just finishing up my college degree while she was just beginning hers and she was fighting against oppressive cultural expectations to achieve this dream while I was merely adhering to my own cultural expectations of getting a college degree. And she was striving so hard to become a counselor to help other survivors like herself find healing, to find hope, and to find liberation. And so compelled by her story beyond anything I've ever experienced, I sent her that $500, and then I was faced with this haunting realization that her story could have been mine. And so friendship with Eunice is truly what liberated me from my own selfishness and it got me outside of my own selfish worldview that I had created and so when Eunice's results came back we found out that she rose to the top of her class and in that I felt God challenging my heart telling me Nicole this is where I am found Now that you've experienced the pain of the world and your heart has bled like mine, what are you going to do about it? And I told God, well, I'm a filmmaker, so I'll create films. But I knew that that wasn't enough, that he wanted to use that skill of filmmaking and to leverage it on behalf of the poor. And so by identifying with Eunice's story, we formed an organization called Freely in Hope. And what we do is we provide scholarships for young women like Eunice who are survivors of sexual violence We provide health care, counseling, and leadership development so that they can be liberated from their past trauma and pursue their future filled with hope. We exist to partner together with girls like Eunice, who are survivors and advocates, so that they can lead in ending the cycle of sexual violence. This is our calling. Eunice today, she is finishing up her bachelor's degree in counseling psychology, and she graduates This October, in a couple of months, she's working already as a counselor for drug addicts in the slums, and so the majority of her clients are women who are working in prostitution. And these women love her, and she really loves them. She is active in the fight to end the cycle of sexual violence in her community, and in her, I have actually found my purpose, and that's in partnering together with her so that she can achieve her dreams and ending the cycle of sexual violence. Her little boy, Eugene, is seven years old, and he also has big dreams. He wants to be a policeman so that he can protect his mother and his community. And so through through these stories of the community around us, Jesus is saying to me, this is where I am found. And in our own community here in the Bay Area, working with the organizations that you partner with, working among the homeless, working among men and women who are addicted to drug abuse and to alcohol women who are broken on our streets women who are forced in prostitution here in our own neighborhood of Oakland Jesus is saying to us this is where I am found in the broken in the imprisoned in the poor in the oppressed in those who are desperately waiting for the Lord's favor to come into their lives This is where he is calling us nearer to himself, nearer to his heart, nearer to his liberation, nearer to his worldview where love, justice, and hope reign. Friendship with the poor liberates us from our own worldview, and there we will come face to face with Jesus himself.
0: So it's like we're asking the question, Jesus, where are you? Where Where is the gospel just transforming people? Where can my heart be set on fire when I see it? And the scripture is saying, you know, you know where Jesus is found? He is going towards the poor. He is going towards the blind. He is going towards those who are oppressed, to those who are indebted. So we got to go there too. Now, here's a little bit of a confession. I, I'm going to just be honest with you. So on Sunday, it was great. We were outward. We were on the streets. We we're, were meeting homeless people. But on Monday all the way to Thursday, it was very different, you know? It was like my world, my problems, my family, my health, you know, my schedule, my work, you know, and my marriage. And it was all so like in my own little world. Now, was anyone else like that this past week? Or you know, am I the only one? You know, (laughs) you know, it's so easy for us to just be mindful of the stuff that's right in front of us, right? But I was I was thinking about this message because where does where does Jesus go? Jesus goes to Africa. Jesus goes to the blind. Jesus goes to the poor. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, something I actually want to apply this message and not just preach on it. So I, I just want you guys to think for a second. What would it look like for you guys? We're not saying go to Africa. Although some of you might be called to Africa. But we are saying, what would it look like for you guys just in your own world to open your eyes to the needs of the people that are around you, right? Who are the people that, like, at work who could could use a touch of grace? Anyone here have a family member that's hurting, going through a lot of transition, anyone like that? What about the people in the church? Maybe some today are like, you know, I'm new, I don't really know anyone, I'm kind of disconnected, you know? What about in your own life? What does it look like just to open your eyes? And what would it look like for me to befriend the poor? So with me, uh, I told you that, okay, like when I go to work, I get in my, my Prius and I drive to work, right? The thing that's cool is I can just drive straight in the parking lot and go straight to the building and not have to like talk or see anyone from the street. Just, it Just boom like that. It's real convenient. But I was thinking, what would it look like for me to open my eyes to the people who are around me? And so there is a homeless man that I've been making friends with for the past couple of years. I don't know if you guys remember me sh- sharing about him. His name is James. And he's, he's the, the sweetest, most harmless homeless man you ever met. And what I'll do from time to time, and I remember, okay, why don't we just actually, I don't have to go to Africa necessarily next week, but why don't I just go across the street and just go and sit with James? So it was funny. I was, uh, I was sitting with James, right, and he had a bag of potato chips. And I'm just sitting with him, and I'm thinking, well, if you're eating a bag of potato chips, you're probably thirsty. So I'm like, hey, James, and I, we weren't really talking about anything special. And i said, James, do you want some milk? Because his favorite, his favorite uh, drink is milk. He drink like a half a gallon the whole day. And James goes, yeah, actually, I would like some. You know what James does? He reaches in his jacket, and he takes out this wad of cash. And he's like, he's like, you know, counting his bills, and he's like, here, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead and buy me some milk, right? And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm surprised because I'm like, first of all, I'm thinking, James, where would you get that wad of cash, you know? But I didn't want to ask. I didn't want to ask because maybe I don't even want to know where it actually comes from. So he gives me this cash and I go down the street and I buy like half a gallon of milk for him. But the thing is, the milk only costs $3.99. So what do I do with the change? I pocket it, right? So I'm I'm taking the homeless man's money, I'm kidding, I'm taking the change back to him. You guys, really, you do that? No, I give him the milk and it was really interesting. He turns to me and says, do you want the change? And I was like, no, I'm not gonna take your money. But I thought this was just kind of like a really interesting thing. Like, you know, normally they would, oh, you know, next time maybe I'm going to take the money. I'm just going to be like, yeah, okay, here, thanks, bro.
1: And,
0: and so we've developed this friendship where he trusts me, and he's actually willing to give me money. And I come back, and he's like, you want to I, I love the reciprocity. You know, I really feel like James is like, he's looking at me as a friend. Remember uh, Eric said last week that we have probably more to learn from the poor than they do from us you guys remember that message there was one time i was sitting across from james right and you know sometimes i like i don't know what to talk to him about sometimes I just sit there i feel like so dumb I, like, I have nothing to talk to him about right and so i'm like hey how about those warriors right i'm thinking that would be, that would generate something he goes oh are the warriors doing well i'm like uh yeah they're doing really well actually uh, he goes, oh, yeah, I, I'm not really into the Warriors. And I go, well, James, what are you into? Now, listen to this. Listen to this. It's just like ordinary conversation. And he goes, you know what I'm really into? I'm into watching sunsets and sunrises. That's what he says to me. And it's, it's funny because sometimes when I go through a week and it's just crazy busy, you know what I think about? I think about James sitting there, just beholding the sunset and going, isn't that beautiful? I don't know why, but that's comforting to my soul. You know, I just feel like, because sometimes I feel like I gotta be crazy busy in order to earn love, you know? And here's James, and he's just not doing anything. Trust me, he's not doing anything. He's just sitting there, watching the sunset, and God still loves him. And so, I feel like I'm actually learning more from him than, than he is from me, you know? But it's one of those relationships where it's just reciprocal. I'm befriending the poor. Both of us are poor, but just in different ways. We both need the saving grace of Christ. Who is around you? Who is around you that you can just share the amazing love of God with? You know, so many times you're just so busy with what's in front of us, you know? And this is the message to say, guys, let's open our eyes. Let's have a greater vision. Let's have a bigger heart because the gospel is going where? Where? To the poor, to the oppressed, to the blind. And so when we go there, that's when we see Jesus at work in powerful ways. And we want to be there to see Jesus working. Can I get an amen somewhere? I thought of another way for us to apply this message. So one way I wanted to challenge you guys is develop a friendship with, quote, unquote, the poor. We're not making them a project, you know. They're actually giving us more than we're giving them, you know. But who around you, a relative, a friend, you know, uh, someone that's on the way to work, a homeless person, who is the poor that God's calling you actually to reach out to? Because that's where the gospel is moving, okay? I thought of another way for us to apply this message. Now, maybe not all of us are called to go to Africa, right? But can we at least kind of vicariously live through Nicole, who's going to Africa? How is that as like a proposal, Right? Because, you know, many of us may not actually go there, but the people who go there need support, right? So if we can befriend someone, can we befriend the people who are befriending the poor, <laughs> you, know? you know? I mean, it's, it's great. By all means, we should befriend the poor. But what about also the role of our church where we're befriending those who befriend the poor? Because they need support just as much as everyone else. And can we pray for them? Can we hear their stories? Can we get excited about what God is doing through them and what they are actually seeing and sharing with the rest of us? And so that's, that's our, our challenge and our invitation for you guys uh, this morning. The gospel is going to the places, and the gospel is making this huge transformation. And so we got to get out of the bubble, you know? We got to like fight the bubble we got to fight to get out of the bubble because there's so much and it's so normative to actually go back into the bubble where you're protected and you're safe you know but the gospel is pulling us out to actually be on the front lines of seeing God break into the lives of the poor with his transformation and his grace and his power so that's where we got to go to okay can we all stand Dear Lord, I just want to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. We are the poor, actually. We are the spiritually impoverished. And Jesus came for us. He came and he died for us to forgive us of our sins. We are the poor. And because the gospel has moved to us, Lord, I pray it would also move through us. Would you use us and send us out, and take risks. Would you open our eyes to the people that are around us who are in need, who are poor and in desperate need of the grace of God. Call us, Lord, speak to us, change our hearts. We pray these things in the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen.